Well, good morning. Good to see each and every one of you here this morning. It's uh, definitely a joy and honor to be able to come with the word of the Lord this morning. As Pastor Rick mentioned, uh, we are back in our series through the, uh, through the letter of, uh, through Peter's first letter to the church. And we've been asking this question this last week, and we'll probably ask the same question over the next few weeks as we um, have a series of conversations, a series of conversations about this topic. And the question is this, who does God want you to be in a culture that is divided, that is fragmented, that is broken? What does a Christ follower look like, behave like, engage like in this sort of a culture? where we don't seem to have the same values, where we don't seem to speak the same language, where we don't seem to honor in the same way, where we don't seem to love in the same way, where we just are not the same. And especially over this last year, we've realized that there's a lot of differences between us and and the world, sometimes not enough. But we've realized that there is a gap. And how do you and I as Christians live in that gap. We talked about last week that we are simply exiles. We're simply sojourners. Sojourners in this terms of we're here for a season. It's home. We're calling this home, but it really is not. We're headed towards home. And so in the meantime, how do we live? How do we live as Christians when we're not home yet? When we're in a strange culture? When the things that we subscribe to are not the popular opinion. When the things that we claim to be are not what society wants us to be. How do you and I live? So we came to this passage last week in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Peter is saying this, as exiles, this is how you live. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. So last week we mentioned we're gonna spend a few few weeks talking through all of these little phrases. So today my task is simple. I wanna just talk about two words. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. See, Peter here is giving us a set of values to live by. He's giving us, hey, here's here's what makes you who you are. Here's how you live. You see, we don't often hear the word honor. It's not as much just faced out of vocabulary as it has disappeared from our daily lives. People frequently don't treat each other well on social media in politics or in the news. Families are in turmoil because of a lack of respect between parents and children. Employees and employers have a a breakdown in the way they work. With a world in such a state, Peter is calling us to honor everyone. So how is it when there is such a breakdown, when there is such a gap, how do we do that? How do we honor everyone? Because here's, here's, the, here's the fact. 
Everyone means everyone. Everyone means all people. That includes the people you like and the people you don't. That includes the people who, are, who bless you and some of the people who curse you. That includes the people who work for you and some of the people who actively work against you, who gossip about you, who have brought you immeasurable hurt in your past. Everyone means all people. And so if you're looking at people like the ones that I mentioned, and, and I'm, as I'm speaking, you're probably faces and names are coming to mind. And you're sitting here asking your question, how? How do I look at that person when they've done so much wrong to me? How do I honor them? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a husband and a wife. Maybe it's a, a broken relationship. Maybe it's a parent and a child. Maybe it's a boss and, and an employee. Maybe it's you fill in the blank. And there has been some hurt. There has been some break, uh, brokenness. And, and you're dealing with it. You're grappling with it. You're grappling with You're living out the consequences of that hurt. And Peter looks at you and says, honor that person. How do you do that? Well, let's, let's dive into scripture. But before we do, let's take a look at how he approaches this. Well, it's almost like this uh, thing that we've done for Judah. At our old house, if you don't know, we just sold our house and we're looking at purchasing another one. In our old house, in Judah's room, up on his wall, we had a wall that looked somewhat like this. On this wall, there were six frames. Six frames with these cute little animals, but under each animal, there is a phrase. And the phrases are like this. God has great plans for me. I'm a child of God. I will, I will not fear, for God is with me. The Spirit of God lives in me. He has called me by name, and I am His. I am God's masterpiece. Now, we have these frames right above his changing table. So in the mornings, as we're getting him ready for, for his day, we're uh, uh, changing his clothes and doing all, the, all that stuff. We're, I'm usually standing and talking to him or Jen's talking to him. And what we often do is we'll read those and we'll ask Judah, Judah, where's the monkey? And he'll point to the monkey and we'll read about, read the statement underneath the monkey or he'll point to the lion. And, and we go through this exercise. And here's why we do this. We're trying to build in him his identity. We're trying to remind him, we're trying to teach him about who God is and who he is in God. Because you see, there's gonna come a time and a day where he's gonna go into the world and he's gonna have to live, he's gonna have to interact, he's gonna have to do things. And the truth is this, that what you do comes out of who you are. Your activity is determined by your identity. Your identity of who you are, who you are in Christ, how you see the world, how you see God, how you relate to him, all of that translates into the way you act, into the way you relate, into the way you speak, into the way you work. And so as Judah goes out, eventually we know he'll have to, we'll, he'll, we'll have to teach him how to be caring, how to be kind. We'll have to do all of that. But it is grounded in the fact that he is a child of God. It is grounded in the fact that God has called him by name and that he is his. You see, this is what Peter does here. Peter in, 
And chapter two is doing the same exact thing. Chapter two, verses six through seven, he says this. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. This is him talking about Jesus. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. Let's pause here real quick. The honor is for you who believe. Take a moment to let that sink in. The honor is for you who believe. This is what God, uh, scripture is saying. Paul is saying, God honors you. You are honored in Christ because of what God has done through Christ on the cross in securing our salvation, because of the sacrifice that was made on that cross, you and I are honored by God. In our belief, in our acceptance, we are honored in him. You see, when we're talking about how we honor each other, and we're talking about how we, uh, we relate to each other, so often the question or this conversation should begin with, how do we relate to God? Because scripture reminds us that at one point we were enemies. We were contrary to his nature. We worked against him, and yet he still honors us. In our acceptance of his sacrifice, he honors us. And let's continue. This is, this is a little bit of more. He's elaborating on who, what our identity is. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God honors you. God received you from brokenness. God removed you from your pain. God removed you from your sin. God removed all of that, and he has invited you to be a part of his family, invited you to be a part of his own. And so all of us sitting here, what binds us together, what brings us together is this new identity that we have in Christ, that we are his children, that we are called by name, and that we are his that he looks at us, that he looks at me, and he says, I honor you. That is our identity. Now that we know who we are, now we can move into, so what do we do with that? So Peter, he, so far in chapter one and into chapter two, he's been talking a lot about who we are in Christ. And now he makes this pivot and he's moving on to, all right, well, what do we do with that? Let's move to chapter two, verses 11 through 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify, glorify God on the day of visitation. Last week, we talked about so often in this world, when things around us don't usually go the way we want, we have certain responses. Some of us, we compromise. Hey, things are hopeless. This is the way things are, so I'm just gonna go with the flow. Some of us, we retreat in isolation and we say, you know, we're afraid of what's going on in society around us. Things are not the way they used to be, and so I'm gonna remove myself from the situation. 
we isolate ourselves. And some of us, we revolt against it. We're going to fight our way through. We're going to fight and make sure our voice is heard. And these are all great, but they're not the ideal. They're not the way we are called to live. Instead, what, Paul, what Peter is calling us to is this fourth way, and that is faithful engagement. Faithfully engaging our communities. Faithfully engaging our culture. Piper puts it this way, John Piper puts it this way, the Christian is at home in every culture, but at odds in every culture. Because the gospel is at home in every culture, but at odds in every culture. You see, just like the gospel goes to everybody, it doesn't remain that way. It doesn't, it doesn't just let you be the way you are. It changes you. And so the Christian, when we live in the world, we are at home in this world, but we're not at home. We live differently. And that is what Peter is saying. There is, we engage differently. We live differently. You see, he says, abstain from certain things. Be careful, because the world that you're living in as exiles, they have a different way of approaching life. They have different sets of morals. They have different things that they do. That seems perfectly okay, but it's against the word of God. And he's saying, be careful, because these things, when you let them in, they wage a war against your soul. You may see people and their business practices. You may see people and their relationships. You may see people and the way they interact with each other. And if they don't line up with the word of God, he says, be careful. Abstain from it. The call is simple. Stop it. But instead, he's saying, instead of compromising, instead of isolating, instead of revolting, instead engage. And this is how you engage. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Live, living honorably is your witness. Because you see, he's saying, even amongst the people that will, that will speak bad against you, or the people that will actively work against you, or the people that compete with you, when you live honorably, that stands as your witness. That stands speaking of who God is. The story is often told about Bishop Polycarp of Smyrna. Polycarp was one of the last people, the last bishops in the church who studied under an apostle of Jesus. He studied under John, the disciple. And Polycarp, as he's coming to the end of his life, he's an, he's an aged person at this point, and he's, he's been serving the church, lives in Smyrna. Smyrna in this context the people of Smyrna, they were fiercely loyal to the Roman culture. They were fiercely loyal to all of the gods. And they, there was a pagan crowd that rose up against Polycarp, and they said, we want him dead. And so the church jumped into action. They hit him in one place after another place, and, and the soldiers, the, the governor would send the soldiers, the soldiers would torture people to get information on where Polycarp was. And every time they found the place, the church would move them again. And finally, Polycarp said, that's enough. This is my lot. So one day, the soldiers invaded the house. They broke in, ready to arrest Polycarp. And Polycarp looks at the, at the soldiers, and he says, my friends, you've come a long way. You've searched high and low for me, and you're exhausted. Why don't we sit down 
have a meal together. So he asked the people of the house to prepare dinner for them. They sit down. He says, while you eat, let me have one hour to pray. And so here's Polycarp praying in the room and the soldiers eating. And as they're eating, this one hour became two. And the soldiers eventually will arrest Polycarp, will drag him out, will take him to his death. But in the meantime, the soldiers look at this man and goes, who is this man? He is a godly man. He is not one we should be arresting. Instead, we should be aspiring to become like him. Because you see, even as they are killing him, even as they are actively working against him, his way of honoring them had the opposite effect had an interesting effect. They were able to look and recognize God and God's work in this man because of his honor to the soldiers. Honor everyone. Live honorably. Because when you do, even the people that are accusing you will recognize God's work in you. You see, living honorably is your witness. Well, let's get back to the phrase of the day. Honor everyone. That's a broad statement. It's a broad statement, but it also makes life simple in this way. You see, this morning, I didn't have to wake up and say, you know what, I am going to honor James and not Valentina. I didn't have to make that decision because the decision was made for me. I honor everyone. I have no choice in the matter. And as Christians, as Christ followers, if we're true to our word, if we're true to our commitment, that is how we ought to live. What is honor? You see, as a def definition, honor means to esteem and treat another with great respect. The word honor comes from the word to ascribe worth or value. In the Christian context, it is simply to do this. Every person born of a woman is created in the image of God. And honor is to simply recognize that every person has the image of God in them. So when I look at you, when I consider you, I see the worth and the value that God has put in you. Honor is to simply recognize that. And when we look at it that way, the people we like and the people we don't like, they all have the same value. The value that was put in you is the value that was put in the person that does not think like you. Will everyone deserve this treatment? Obviously not. See, the biblical use of the word honor also means to enhance a person's reputation. It means even when they don't deserve it, I'm going to respect them. Even when they haven't done anything to deserve it, I'm going to honor them. Honoring others often goes against our own instinct. Because our instinct is simply this, to honor ourselves. If we're honest with ourselves, that's how we approach life. We want to elevate ourselves. But, given the help of the Holy Spirit, the call is honor others. It's a biblical mandate. 
It's a discipline that we build on each and every day. It's not easy. It's a path that is less traveled. It is a path that is often described as narrow because you're respecting those, you're honoring those you like and don't. Honor those who may not think like you, who may have theological views different from you, ideological views different from you, political views that contradict yours. How have you done this last year in honoring people? Given the parameters that we just laid out, how have we done in honoring people? Because you see, in this last year, if we're, again, if we're honest with ourselves, there were things inside of us that came out that we were surprised by. There were things inside our, our friends or things inside our family that came out that we were surprised by. We've had conversations about health and COVID and race and we've had conversations about the elections and, and those didn't end in healthy places. How do we do in honoring people when those conversations happened? As a Republican, how did you do honoring your Democrat friend? As a liberal, how did you do honoring your conservative friend? Because you see, what we did this last year was we put ourselves into little camps and we rarely ventured out into the other side. We were either for the mask or we were against it. We were either for Trump or we were for Biden. And more often than not, it was you're either with us or you're against us. And in this culture, in this climate, I'm not gonna make any value judgments here, but how did you do? How did you do in honoring everyone? You see, for us as a pastoral team, the, those temptations and those challenges were just as present. We've had conversations and we've, had, we've heard and seen things and sometimes the temptation is break fellowship. And we've seen that happen in the church where fellowship was broken over things that they shouldn't have been. Fellowship over, hey, the church did not say enough about this topic or the church said too much about this topic and so I'm gonna walk away. Fellowship was broken over the fact that this person wants me to wear a mask and this person does not. And suddenly we were seen as being at odds with each other when all of us are called to be honoring each other. I'm gonna to come to a close here and I'm gonna invite the worship team back. Why is it so hard for us to honor each other? See, sometimes it's our own pride. It shows up in our aversion to be scorned. See, sometimes it's easy, actually, at all times, it's easy to honor and to love and to show kindness to the ones we agree with and our, the ones that we love and the ones that we identify with. But it takes humility to honor someone that you don't agree with. The more that we press into being loving, the more that we press into honoring those we don't agree with, that's where Christ-likeness is displayed.
We're afraid that sometimes by giving honor, we're accepting of another person's lifestyle. We're afraid that when we honor the person, we're affirming their choices. See, honor does not mean affirming one's choices, but it does mean respecting their voice. And that's a line I've stolen from Barry, Barry Corey um, in his book, Love Kindness. Love Kindness, wonderful book that we've been reading, it talks about firm center, soft edges. You see, as Christians, we can, we can be people who have firm c- convictions, who can have strong uh, theological convictions and beliefs, and yet be people who are kind and loving. Yet be people who are honoring those who don't have the same as us. And what he advocates for us for, is for us to be those people with firm centers and soft edges. Being able to speak truth without bullying the person. Being able to speak, bring grace without letting go of our convictions. How are you doing at honoring the person? I'll end with this, with a quick story. Watchman Nee, a church planter in China, he, had, he often shares the story of two brothers, two Christian brothers, farmers. Farmers who would go out into their rice paddy fields on a, on a hill. And if you've seen the image, John, would you put that up? It looks something like this. Paddy fields that are, that are built into the side of a hill. So their field is on the top and there are people who had fields underneath. And every morning and every, in the heat of the day, they would go and fill up this paddy field with water. It was hard, back-breaking work. One day after they were done with their work, they went home, they slept. The next morning they came to find out that their field was completely empty. So the brothers filled it back up, went home, slept. The next day, the field was empty. Well, investigation found out that the man who owned the field below them had broken, the, broken whatever the levees were and was draining their water to feed his crops. And so the two men, obviously angry about it, obviously upset about it, they prayed about it and they realized the Christ-like thing is not to be angry and not to confront the man, but instead just fill it up. And so he, they filled it up again. A third day, a fourth day, a fifth day, and they are, they are walking around saying, we're Christ-like because we're just taking it on. We're bearing it. But they had no peace. And finally, they go to their elder and they say, brother, we've been, we've been Christ-like. We've been, we've been sharing our water with this man, even though he's cheating us out of it. And the man goes, well, have you done everything Christ would do? So the next day, this this is what the two brothers did. The brothers went out early in the morning, a few hours early, filled the man's field first, and then went up and filled theirs. A second day, filled the man's field first, and then they filled theirs. Eventually the man goes, who are these people? Because if this is what a Christian is like, that's what I want to be. Because you see, their Christ-likeness demanded that they go a step further in honoring a person that worked actively against them. 
Honoring the person meant, hey, I'm going to bless them even though he does not deserve it. I'm going to work for him even though he's working against me. How are you doing in honoring those around you? As we come to a close, here's the reality. We're all broken. We all need a savior. And to some people, you will be the only access to the gospel they'll ever have. And if you're the roadblock, if you're the one not honoring them, if you're the one not showing kindness to them, will they ever hear? See, the call to us is great and it's hard. Honor everyone, even when you don't feel like it. Honor everyone, bless everyone, be kind to everyone, even when they're against you. So as we come to a close, Pastor Rick is gonna come lead us in communion. But as we do, take a moment to reflect. Take a moment to ask yourself, how have I done this last year? How have I done these last few months in honoring those around me? The ones I like and the ones I don't. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your word that speaks to us and challenges us. Lord, help us rise to the challenge. Help us to honor as you call us to honor. Help us to see value as you see value. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.